I'm the Failing Youth Pastor, and welcome to Monday Motivation. I always love being the guest speaker because I can talk as long as I want. And as my wife knows, I like to talk. Uh, this morning's scripture lesson teaching comes from Psalm 95, possibly. There it is. Comes from Psalm 95. Um, if you are able, if you would please stand for the reading of, of Psalm 95. If you have a Bible, feel free to take it out. The words are going to be on the screen for your edification as well. Uh, and as I preach this morning, in your bulletin, there's some note, there's like section for notes. So, you know, if you want to take notes, you, can, you don't have to take notes, okay? Just saying. If you want to take notes, you can't. Let us read Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did the day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us this morning. And I pray that you would soften our hearts so that your word would take root in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. So the psalmist here, uh, it's a really interesting psalm because at the beginning you're like, man, that is really beautiful. That's so uplifting. That's great. And then he takes a twist at the end, and he's like, ooh, you know, it's kind of like a, like a punch to the gut a little bit. We're going to dive into that this morning. But the psalmist opens up the psalm similarly to how we open up our, our services, with a call to worship, a call, an invitation. The first two verses read like this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. The invitation is sent out. Come. Come. Let us worship. It's a, it's a clear and concise picture that is painted. When the psalmist says, let us sing for joy, shout aloud, come before him with thanksgiving, praise him, extol him with music and song. You get this picture, this, this picture of excitement and joy and jubilation, of thanksgiving. On Sundays, a few weeks out of the year, 
you can, you can find this picture painted out uh, in, a, in a different venue. There it is. Now, I love this picture because the dude under the Viking, look at his face. He is not happy. Whatever just happened, he's not excited about it, right? But if you know any, like, diehard football fans, and if you've ever been to an NFL stadium, it is insane, right? This picture, what the psalmist is painting here, reminds me of that, right? These fans are getting excited. They have joy over a football play. First down Vikings. They, they're, they're excited over a touchdown, over players. They get excited over their team, their city, their state. And just imagine with me for a moment, if we had that mindset about the God who created everything, if we had half of the excitement of the joy, of the jubilation that an NFL stadium would have, as we come to worship. You have been invited. I have been invited. We have been invited together to worship with joy and thanksgiving. That's the invitation. That's the call. Come with joy and thanksgiving because we serve a good God. But with every invitation... There's a why, right? You don't send out an invitation, just be like, party at my house. Okay, well, you do that like when you're young and it's just like a, get, you know, like a stupid get together. But usually you have like, it's Todd's birthday or you don't celebrate those anymore, but um, <laughs> it, it's a birthday, it's an anniversary, it's you know, a baby shower, right? You have a why attached to Uh, The invitation in the psalmist leads us into the why. Why is it that we worship? Verses 3 through 5. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Why is it that we worship? Because he is a great God. He is the king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The highest mountain and the lowest sea belong to him. We worship God because he's worthy of it. He alone is worthy of our praise. He alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is worthy of our our joyful thanksgiving. And we don't only serve and worship a powerful God, but we serve a good God. We serve a just and a merciful God. We don't only serve the creator of the universe, we serve and worship the sustainer of the universe. That is why we worship. That's why we're called to gather together with jubilation. That's why we're called to sit under biblical teaching and preaching on Sunday mornings. Why? We gather because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy of our praise. But the psalmist here says something very interesting in in verse 5, and it's underlined for you on the screen. The sea is his, for 
he made it. The last time I preached, I talked about my love for Charles Spurgeon, and I'm going to quote him again. Because here, he highlights, he targets in on this phrasing, and I love what he says about it. If God owns the seas because he made it, he owns you because he made you too. You are his creature, and by all the rights of creatorship, you belong to him. He claims you. Will you dispute the claim? This point by Spurgeon leads us directly into the next point that the psalmist is going to make, and that is who we are. So the invitation is sent out, come, let us worship. Let us worship with joy, with jubilation. Why is it that we worship? Because he is worthy of it. And who are we in all of this? Psalm 95, 6 through the beginning of 7. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. There's a fundamental reality that we need to understand and we need to keep in mind. God is beyond, above, and he has authority over us. But because of our sinful nature, we constantly want to take that authority for ourselves. Right? I want to be the king. I want to be the boss. I want to be my own authority and standard for living. But the psalmist reminds us of our place before him, calls us to bow down and and kneel in recognition that he is greater. We are not God. We are his creatures. We are not the authority. He is. But the psalmist also reminds us of something else here. We do not bow down and kneel in vain. We do not bow down to a tyrant king who rules with authority absent of justice and love, but we kneel down before a God who rules with justice and a loving authority. Notice the wording here. We are a people of his pasture. We are under his care, and he cares well for his sheep. He loves them, provides for them. He promises good things to them. And that same hand that created and holds the mountains and the seas holds you and me, cares for you and I. Alexander McLaren was a a preacher around the same time as Spurgeon. And in his um, understanding of this text, he he brings out a, a really interesting point. He says this, The repeated reference to the hand of Jehovah is striking. In it are held the depths. It is a plastic hand forming the land as a potter fashioning his clay. It is a shepherd's hand protecting and feeding his flock. That's why we worship. That's why we worship We worship the God who created the universe, who created you and I and sustains us. 
We are his. He is ours. That's who we are. And in an, in an age where identity is so questioned, this is who we are. We are his. He is ours. That's who we are in all of this. But then the psalmist takes a what I would call a necessary turn, but it's kind of like a, it's like a 180 almost. It's like, I'm just going to turn over here it, with a word of warning when he says this. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did the day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The psalmist knows our hearts. We are, and we just sang it, we are a sheep who are prone to wander. We are sinners who have to fight the temptation, the battle, to rebel against our creator. And so the psalmist takes this turn in the psalm as a stark reminder of that reality. That we are, we are prone to wander. As a stark reminder of the depth and the breadth of our sin. And that sin can harden our hearts to the word of God. The psalmist reflects on the Israelites in the wilderness. They saw amazing miracles. They were in the land of Egypt as slaves. The Passover comes. God sets them free, leads them out. The Egyptians are chasing them down. He parts the Red Sea in front of them parts the Red Sea in front of them. They walk on dry ground. They get to the other side, and God slams the sea on the Egyptians. Wow. Now, if you were there, you'd be like, that's pretty cool. Unless you were the Egyptian. That would be as cool. But not only did God bring them out of Egypt, he provided manna for them in the wilderness. Provided, uh, you know, provided for them water, food. And he also promised a land that flowed with milk and honey. Yet, they hardened their hearts. The writer of the Hebrews picks up on this theme and actually quotes from Psalm 95 three times in what we would call the span of, of, a, of a chapter. You'll notice a theme. Hebrews 3, 7 through 8. So as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Hebrews 3.15. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Hebrews 4.7. God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did a long, uh, when a long time later he spoke through David. As in the passage already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your 
hearts. Over and over and over, we are warned to do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. But human beings, we have a, we have a way of doing that. We have lots of ways of doing that. In a sermon given in 1880, Charles Spurgeon laid out a number of ways that we harden our hearts. I've listed four of them for you up on the screen that we're going to walk through very quickly. The first one, I think, is important. Some harden their hearts in delay. Procrastination, procrastination isn't just for the high school student or junior high student putting off homework. We do it too. Today, I'm just so busy today. I don't have time to be in my, in my Bible studying the word. I don't have time to, 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 to go before the throne of God in prayer. I just, I don't have the time today. But tomorrow, I'll do it. But the fact of the matter is, most of the time, tomorrow never actually becomes today. Which is why the writer of the Hebrews and the psalmist says, today, if you hear God's voice. Do not harden your hearts. Today, it starts today, not tomorrow, today. Number two, some harden their hearts by getting into evil company. One of my famous or maybe infamous catchphrases in youth ministry um, is who you spend time with is who you will become. Who your friends are, your friends are mirrors of who you are. And that applies to adults, too. Um, we lived in Houston for four and a half years, and um, my assistant director of youth ministry started dating a guy named Nathan. And a uh, really great guy, became a leader in the youth group and all this stuff, but he said one word that I absolutely could not stand. And that word was salty. Now, some of you are like, salty? Like, did he put too much salt on his food? He did that. But, but, uh, the word salty essentially means like, you know, it references like salty tears. So if you like complain, be like, stop being so salty. Okay, I hated it. I don't know why. I just hated it. Absolutely hated it. Detested the word. So hanging around Nathan and, you know, doing youth ministry together and all this cool stuff and whatever. And I'm talking to a student randomly, and they complain about something. They go, stop being so salty. I, in that moment, I wanted to slap myself very hard. I didn't, but I wanted to. Just through osmosis, through just being around him, I picked up how he was talking. Even though I was like, man, I hate that word. That word's really lame. The same thing happens to us. When we are not analyzing, when we're not reflecting on, who am I spending time with? Because those people are who we are going to become. Especially for you young people in, in the congregation. Very important to choose friends wisely. And are you surrounding yourself with people who build you up and encourage you in the word? or distract you and maybe even pull you from it. 
Number three, some harden their hearts by silly amusements. Have you ever heard of Netflix? Just a small website. Or YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, MySpace? That was a joke. You guys don't know what I'm talking about. Never mind. <laughs> In 2017, the average American spent 12 hours and 7 minutes a day consuming media. There's only 24 hours in a day. Minus eight for sleeping. Six for a lot of you. 12 hours in seven minutes. Now, media just means any type of, of information. So newspapers, which practically don't exist anymore. But yeah, internet, apps, iPhone, uh, right? Any type of screen time, all of that is media. 12 hours in seven minutes. As a society, we are amusing ourselves to death. And I'll be the first one to admit, my wife's staring daggers at me right now, that I am guilty of this as anyone. Because it's easy to head home, sit down, and hit the Netflix button. But what we are consuming just like the people we hang around with has an impact on us. And we're often not critical enough of the media that we are taking in. We would do well to heed the warning against silly amusements. And then the last one, some harden their hearts by indulging a favorite sin. And I would even add another aspect to this is that we don't just indulge in a favorite sin, but we hide it. We hide our favorite sins. And we become so wrapped up in the pleasure that this sin gives us. And then, of course, I don't want my wife to find out about it. I don't want my, you know, I don't want church members finding out about my, my weakness in this area. So we camouflage it. And we spend so much time indulging in it and then trying to hide it from everyone else. What, what happens? Our hearts become callous because we're so wrapped up in the sin that we've taken our eyes off of the Savior who died for that sin, who redeemed us from that sin, who offers us forgiveness from that sin, which is why over and over and over in Scripture, the call is to come and repent, which ultimately is why we come with joy to worship. That sin does not define you anymore. Stop hiding it. Stop indulging in it. The Savior's paid for it. You have been called to joyfully sing God's praises because he's worth it. The creator and the sustainer of the universe invites you into his presence. The shepherd who cares for you and loves you calls you to him. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Today is the day that the Lord has made.
made. May we hear his voice with soft hearts and praise his holy name today and forevermore.